So why don't you take your Bibles and turn with me to Mark chapter 6. And uh, we're going to read together and discover together this morning what God's heart is for us. And then we'll conclude this morning with all the celebrations and everything else we need to do still today. The scriptures will be on the screens, but we're going to read from verse 45 to 56 together out of the Gospel of Mark. And I'm reading from the ESV. Immediately, this is Jesus, he made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side, to Bethsaida, while he dismissed the crowd. And after he had taken leave of them, he went up the mountain to pray. And when evening came, the boat was out on the sea, and he was alone on the land. And he saw that they were making headway painfully, for the wind was against them. And about the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. He meant to pass by them. But when they saw him walking on the sea, they thought it was a ghost and cried out, for they all saw him and were terrified. But immediately he spoke to them and said, Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. And he got into the boat with them, and the wind ceased. And they were utterly astounded. For they did not understand about the loaves, but their hearts were hardened. When they had crossed over, they came to land at Gennesaret and moored to the shore. And when they got out of the boat, the people immediately recognized him and ran about the whole region and began to bring the sick people on their beds to wherever they heard he was. And wherever he came, in villages, cities, or countryside, they laid the sick in the marketplaces and implored him that they might touch even the fringe of his garment. And as many as touched it were made well. Let's pray together. Thank you, God, that you're an incredible father. Lord, I thank you for the urgency in this scripture. It speaks about your immediate actions, Lord. Three times this word is being used. And I believe this morning, Father, that there's an immediate response to our outcry to you as your children, Father, for breakthrough in our lives. So we trust you and we look to you, Lord, as we discover your heart towards us in this word. I pray that you will anoint your word, that you will speak, Lord, and that you will get all the glory out of everything we do here today in your word, in Jesus' name. Amen. This is an incredibly interesting piece of scripture. When we compare this to the the account in, in Matthew, that's where Peter then later on walked in the water. But in the gospel of Mark, this is omitted where it simply speaks about what the disciples went through. And I thought that I want to use this one because there's such an urgency in what, the way that this was written. What happened prior to this is Jesus has just done an outstanding miracle of feeding the 5,000 men and their families with the bread and the loaves. And there was this urgency on Jesus directly after that. He didn't even ask his disciples to stay behind and help him dismiss the crowd. He said, you guys get into the boat right now and you go across to the other side. Why this immediate urgency on Jesus' heart? And then we see the story unfold, how they were painfully up against the winds and the storm. I can imagine for a minute what the disciples might have felt in that moment. Why was Jesus so urgent and, and, and strong in sending us across if he knew that this was going to hit us. So this morning I want to title my message, Headwinds of Hope. That you might be in a place in your life where the wind 
is up against you, painfully so, and you've asked this question, but Jesus, haven't you said I need to go? Wasn't there an urgency on your behalf saying, get in the boat and go across? Well, this story ends in hope, and this morning, my prayer is that we will discover that there's hope in every wind of difficulty we ever face in life. The worst thing we can do is to treat our walk with Jesus as simply just the good. It's like being in a house. When you're together as a family, you have to deal with the good and the bad. When there's birthdays and celebration, everyone gets cake, right? Depends on who's on diet, but everyone gets cake. But when someone in the family is sick, when the children are sick, we know what it's like in winter, moves on from the one to the next to the other. And in our Christian walk, we have to understand that there's, there's a wisdom in accepting the headwinds that life gives us. But that with Jesus, it's never in vain. There's an incredible hope in it. And this story this morning is going to let us understand how this works. It's an upside kingdom, really, the kingdom of God. When you study his kingdom and the way he works, it's always alternative to what the world says. And we discussed this a couple of weeks ago when we talked about the mind of Christ and his ways are higher than our own. And I don't know where you are in life, but you might be up against the headwinds. But this morning, Jesus is going to show you the hope in that. It might be great pain, but there's a greater God. It might be great difficulty today, but there's a much greater God that's going to respond with faith to us this morning. Who of you have experienced some breakthrough over the past five weeks of this series? Just put your hand up high. Let's give God a hand for that. That's amazing. It's amazing that the word of God leads us to these moments of breakthrough. Who's still trusting God for breakthrough? Put up your hand. God is still going to respond if we keep on facing these headwinds with hope I wanted to quickly land the biblical view of suffering with you this morning before I go back to the story so that we understand and wrap this message in knowing that there's a biblical view of suffering which is much different from our earthly view. And for that, I'm going to turn to the famous verse in James chapter 1. It says, count it all joy, not just some joy, not just a little bit of joy, all joy when you meet trials of various kinds. Difficult ones, easy ones, hard ones, long ones, short ones, various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. It's saying when trials come your way, you need to go, woohoo, come on, there's a trial on the way. Is that what you do? Anyone out there that's that crazy? It's one of those bizarre thoughts. It's the upside down kingdom. When the trial is heading your way, be joyful. Be full of hope and full of life. That's kind of silly. But the thing about trials and difficulty is that we count it all joy because it's not a celebration of our trial's pain. It's a celebration of our trial's potential. With every trial, there's an incredible potential. And if we cop out early and don't accept it with joy, we're going to miss out on that potential. And what is that potential? It says that you will be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. If you've got lack in your life, here it is in the Word. God's going to bring some stuff over your life 
to develop you. And when you persevere and remain steadfast, it's going to complete you and bring you to a place where you lack nothing. The Hebrew word for that word perfect is teloi. Not a Hebrew word, the Greek word, teloi. I love this word, the way it sounds, teloi. And it means to be complete in all its parts. I want to be complete in all my parts that God has for me. But therefore, I've got to be joyful when the headwinds of hope knock on my door and are up against me. Every time you face a trial, call it a headwind of hope. Call it out and say, you know what, this is painful up against me, but there's hope in it because of Jesus Christ. Listen to these two verses that speaks about this in Romans and Corinthians. It says in Romans chapter 8, I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. The suffering we might face today in comparison to the glory of what Jesus Christ has for us in being fully developed, complete, and lacking nothing is incomparable. The scripture and what it says before it, it says the spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him, in order that we may also be glorified in him. Your headwinds and your pain is proof that you're a child of God. He allows the suffering just as he allows the glory, and it's back to that picture of the house. In any house that you live in, there's the moment of eating cake, and there's the moment of taking your antibiotics because there's a little bit of sickness around. And this is the biblical view of suffering and pain, and we need to have a good handle on this to understand God's view of this. Every time you face something difficult, Jesus is actually saying to you, Come on, there's a better version of you. Come on, there's a deeper place that I want to take you to. Come on, I want to work with you a little bit better so that you can have the fullness of God in you and in your walk. 2 Corinthians 4, 17. This light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory. Beyond all comparison, as we looked to the things that are seen Look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. These verses are like sandpaper on the modern thoughts of what suffering is. All we want is we want to get out of it as quickly as possible. But if we understand this, we're God, you know what? You are, you, 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 you're taking a little bit away of that layer that isn't shiny anymore in us. And you are working us a little bit so that there's a greater glory and a greater weight available to each one of us. I want to be able to stand in front of Jesus one day and say, Jesus, I accept the full weight of glory you had for me because I understood that whatever headwind I face, it was good and it was for your development in me. Suffering is a part of life, but where it meets the gospel, it brings the light. Everyone suffers. Christian, non-Christian, a follower of Jesus, a follower of anything else, Everyone will have suffering in this world. The key is, is the gospel part of that. Because when it is, he changes it around. And it becomes a moment of delight in our lives. Because he's working with us. He's doing stuff in us. And I'd rather be in suffering with Jesus. And understand where he is during those times of suffering. Than try and be like the world and figure it out myself. The first question we usually ask when we go through difficulties, what did I do wrong? Anyone like that? How did I end up here? 
How on earth did I not see? Maybe we should sometimes ask, what did I write? Maybe you are in a place of trial and hardship because you are exactly where Jesus wants you to be for what he is busy working in your life and through your life. You see, that changes our perspective. It brings us back again to this kingdom that works differently than the voices of the world. And I think that would be the better response when you go through something like, God, am I in the right position with you? Yes, sometimes we aren't. But when we face something, we want to fix it as quickly as possible, have an answer, slap a promise onto there, and get out of it, right? We should rather just say, God, let me stop for a minute. Is this because of something I've done wrong? And even in that, the Bible says that he is gracious and merciful to forgive us and to restore us. He uses that for our good. Well, God, am I in a position now because I'm walking completely in what you have for me? And then we embrace this. And it brings me back to the story where I could imagine how these disciples were perplexed at Jesus sending them into the storm. They just had this incredible moment of having lunch with all these people and they saw the miracles. And they're like, seriously? After all of that? Now it's the total opposite and all of this? Sometimes that's what life feels like. You're in this moment where things are good. Things are working. Things make sense. You've got the breakthrough. And the next day or the next week, it's totally different, right? We always look at the years. We think, 2016, come on, it was a hard year. We jump into 2017. We're halfway through it and it kind of looks a little bit grim in comparison to 2016. What's happening all around us? It's the human nature. We want the quick solution to just get on back to the feeling good and being okay. I can imagine these disciples scratching their head like, Jesus, come on. Where are you? You've just fed thousands of people who are hungry. And here you lead us abandoned on a boat. We're probably going to die because you've sent us here. Anyone felt like that ever? Where God calls you into something like, I'm probably going to end up dead. Come on, God, why did you send me into this? I felt like that once. It wasn't Jesus sending me anywhere. It was my own doing. But we were in India in uh, New Delhi and we needed to go to Agra to see the Taj Mahal and we were given the opportunity this morning to say guys it's a long road it's 80 kilometers but it's going to take 40 44 hours to drive there uh, are you keen for this and I had a check in my heart I'm like I'm not sure I want to do this but then there was this hopeful view of seeing the wonder of the world the Taj Mahal so I got into the van and the position I sat was right at the back in the corner where the, the bump for the, the tire comes up into the van. And I was sitting like this for four dreadful hours with three people on a three-seater with me. So we were four on the seat sitting together like this. At some point, I was in so much pain. I couldn't even get up like now. I was in so much pain. I just cried. I'm like, Pierre, what are you doing? But there was a future glory to see the Taj Mahal. So I pushed through. And I don't know, again, where you are in life, but what I want to share with you this morning is this story. And for a moment, forget about the terrible position that the disciples were in and actually see where was Jesus during all of this. And this is the message to your hearts and souls this morning, that when you are in the headwinds, Jesus is right there with you. And let's discover this together today. The first thing we see is that Jesus allows us to have difficulty. It said that he made his disciples get into the boat and go before him. 
I wonder whether they might have seen the storm in the distance. And he says, guys, get in the boat and go like, "Uh uh-uh. Why did he make them get into the boat? This is to prove to us that God and Jesus leads us sometimes into these momentary afflictions in order that he can teach us something. Maybe for them, it was starting to train and teach them that this is what it's going to be to work for my gospel and the kingdom. That you're going to face headwinds. Because when they got to the other side, we just read it was glorious. There was a glorious advancing of God's kingdom on the other side. Maybe he wanted to teach them that. But there's a theology that teaches that God doesn't want you to go through trial. He uses it every single time. We see it in lives of so many in the word of God. We see it in Joseph's life. We see it in Daniel's life. We see it in all the guys who, who worked through the wilderness and all those leaders' lives. We see it in Esther's life. We see it in the life of Job where he allowed the enemy to touch Job and everything he had. And then I love Job's resolve. He said this in, verse, in chapter 13, verse 15. He says, Though he slay me, speaking about God, I will hope in him. Isn't that bold? God, whatever the storm might be, I will hope in you. I will put my trust in you. Though the winds are against me. So Jesus allows us to go through difficult times. That's the first position that Jesus has on our sufferings. The second position, what did Jesus do? Jesus prays for us during our difficulty. This is incredible when you get this. He went up to the mountain to pray and they were in his view and he looked on them and I can't help but think that Jesus was sitting there on the mountain overlooking his disciples with a heart of compassion towards them and praying for them. Saying, God, please, Father, give them the strength to get through whatever they might face. Give them the boldness and the courage to face their storms. Because when I'm away and not with them anymore, your spirit is going to be with them. And he will give them the power to be up against the headwinds that they might be facing. He's going to be their comforter. So God, please, don't delay in sending your spirit to them when I leave, when I'm back with you. They need your Holy Spirit and your comfort. That's what I imagine Jesus sat and did on the mountain. He went to the mountain to pray. He had a view and a vantage point over his disciples. The Bible says that he looked over them. Romans 8 verse 34 says, Christ Jesus who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. All the time while we are on earth, Jesus is interceding for us, not just praying. Intercession means continuous, deep, heartfelt prayer for each one of you. So whatever trial you might be in or difficulty, Jesus is busy praying for you right now. That's amazing. He is praying for you. Did you get that this morning? It says in Hebrews 7, speaking about Jesus, who's our greatest high priest in comparison to Melchizedek, who was the high priest back then who celebrated so many times that Jesus is even greater than him. Because he is able once and forever to save those who come to God through him. He lives forever. Why does he live forever? To intercede on our behalf. Jesus is in heaven today praying for you. 
And that changes the perspective I have on my suffering. Because I want to run to Brian and say, Brian, come on, pray for me. Nothing wrong with that. But I can go to Jesus, please pray for me through this. Wow, Jesus in heaven is praying for you like he did for his disciples. What a promise to hold on to this morning. The third position that Jesus was in during this is Jesus watches over us during our difficulty. It said there, and he saw that they were making headway painfully. I love the scripture that Brian quoted this morning, Psalm 121. I look up to the mountains, where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. And then it says later, the Lord watches over you. So we look up to him, to the mountains, say, God, where does my help come from? And he responds and say, I'm watching over you. Jesus didn't go somewhere else. He sat on land, on the mountain, praying, keeping a watchful eye out over his disciples. Some of you need to hear this this morning, that Jesus be keeping a watchful eye over you. He hasn't neglected you. And we'll see in a little bit why he hasn't come in and, and calmed the storm yet. But not only did he allow you to go through that, he's praying for you and he's keeping watch on you. It's like letting your child play somewhere that might allow a little bit of danger and you just keep back and just keep a watchful eye. And right in that moment, when it's getting too dangerous, you're probably going to jump up and run and help. And that's what Jesus did. At the right moment, the right time, he got up and he calmed the storm. Psalm 34 verse 20. He keeps all his bones, not one of them is broken. Speaking of us. Affliction will slay the wicked, but the Lord redeems the lives of his servants. Suffering, everyone on earth faces it, will slay the wicked. But to us, he redeems it and he saves us, his servants. I read this quote. It says, the church is often like a ship at sea, tossed with tempests. And what a knowing we may have that Christ is for us, and yet the wind and tide is against us. But it is a comfort to Christ's disciples in the storm that their master is in the heavenly mount, keeping a watchful eye over them, interceding for them. All this time when you were in your trial, Jesus has had his eye on you, and he's been praying for you. But then it gets better. The fourth thing Jesus did in this moment, Jesus walks alongside us during our difficulty. It said that he came to them walking on the sea. He meant to pass by them. In other words, he removed himself from just watching and praying and he started walking on the water, never intending for them to see him, but being with them in the midst of the storm and walking alongside him. This morning, Jesus is saying to some of you that I'm coming to walk alongside you in whatever you are facing. It was the fourth watch. It was nine hours in for them already. The Bible says that when evening came, they were up against these winds. For nine hours, they've been rowing and trying to get across. That's a long time. But Jesus then said, I'm going to join them in the wave. I'm going to join them in the storm. Sometimes he delays in coming, but he does come. That's the promise this morning. He didn't just go to the other side and wait at them 
out to get through the storm. He did come in the end. And it might feel like, God, why are you delaying? Why are you delaying? Just hang in there a little bit better because he is working in you a greater glory that you will never see when you cop out. So hang in there a little longer because Jesus is walking alongside you in the storm. You might not see him because of the waves and the wind, but he is there. His word promises. Christ is coming for you, and in the meantime, he's praying for you and watching over you. The seas was now tossed with waves, and the winds were strong, and yet he came, walking upon it. The next thing that we see Jesus did is he speaks faith into our difficulty. And this is what I believe he wants to do for so many of us. Immediately he spoke. He didn't linger. He didn't wait. The moment they recognized that it was Jesus, they had a fearful moment. And often in our suffering and trials, the most fearful and terrible moment is right before our deliverance. And he stepped in and he said, take heart. Translated according to the Greek words there is, be of good cheer. Be joyful in this trial. It is I, your maker, don't be afraid. He spoke faith into the moment of difficulty. No difficulties can obstruct Christ's gracious appearances for his people. When the set time has come, you will either find or force a way through the most tempestuous seas for our deliverance. He forced his way and he said, now let me speak into this situation. I believe this morning God wants to speak into situations in your life. And how does he do it? Well, through various ways. He does it through his word. Sometimes he does it through us just crying out to him and he speaks to our hearts. Sometimes he sends someone on our path and there's a prophetic word of encouragement. And this morning we're going to be praying for the dads after the service. There's a prophetic presbytery. All the dads who's hungry for a prophetic word can go to the staff room after this morning and receive a prophetic word from God. Isn't that great? God wants to speak faith into your situation this morning. He already might have done that. But get this. Why did he say be of good cheer? Why did he say be joyful? It's me. Probably because they realized it's not a ghost. I would have been very happy. No, okay, so at least it's not a ghost. The reason he told them be joyful is that he was there. Christ's presence even on the most stormy days, is enough reason for good cheer. This is what Mark said last week. He calls us to him. He calls us to be with him. And he calls us to go for him. It's that being with him. So even in your worst storm, you can be of good cheer because Jesus is coming to you and says, I'm with you now. Relax. My presence is here. You don't have to worry and fret and stress anymore. Even on the worst days, his presence is enough for good cheer and joy in our lives. Isn't that right? I think about my life and the most tempestuous times I've had. All I desire in that moment is to be with him. And every time I am, things subtly become a little bit less stressful. See the progression. He allows it to happen, but then he prays for us. He watches over us. He walks alongside us. Then he comes and he speaks faith into our difficulty. And then, get this, Jesus climbs with us into our difficulty. He didn't stand afar off and say, you guys remain there in the boat. Face all of this. He said, I'm going to get into that with you. 
we go back to the account in Matthew, there was a moment in between when they realized it's Jesus and the storm ending where Peter wanted to walk on the water. So his word didn't immediately end the storm. He first got into the difficulty with them. And this morning, imagine the picture of your difficulty in your storm and Jesus saying, I'm coming all in. I'm going to be there with you. That's the heart of the Father towards each one of us. So I'm going to climb in that boat with you. And then the story unfolds how the sea became quiet. The Gospel of John said immediately they were at the other side. Almost like there was a supernatural move the moment Jesus got into the boat to the shore. Maybe it was the way they wrote it because they were so enamored by Jesus with him that it felt like the storm was eternity. But with him everything is just okay. They got to the other side. This morning Jesus is saying I'm not praying for you only. I'm not only watching over you. I'm not only walking alongside you. I'm not only speaking faith to you. I'm getting into your difficulty with you. Brings us right back to the fire. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Daniel's friends. Thrown into the fire. What did Jesus do? He appeared with them in the fire. He didn't jump in front of the fire and say, Oh, oh I don't allow difficulty in your life. He said, I'm going to be there, right there, in the most hard our time for you, I'm going to be in your midst and the testimony that came out of this. And here's the glorious future glory of this moment. Jesus reveals to us the purpose of our difficulty. He doesn't leave us hanging and thinking, God, why did I have to go through all of this? He always comes and gives us a decent answer for allowing us to go through difficult times. And in the case of the disciples, there was a glorious advancing of his kingdom. And they managed to see some signs and wonders they never saw before. Because they persevered through the storm. And Jesus got into the other side. And he said, all of this was for this moment. All of this pain and hardship is so that you can see how my kingdom advanced in this region. And how every single one I touch be made whole. That's incredible, isn't it? Knowing that it's never in vain. Trial and pain is never in vain. There was a kingdom plan that they were part of because they faced the storm. The music team can join me as we conclude this morning. Maybe in your walk with Jesus, you needed to hear this this morning that he's praying for you. Maybe you needed to know that he's watching over you. Maybe some of us are desperate and say, God, I need you to climb right into my situation that the winds may stop. And like we sang this morning already, I put my trust in you. The heartbeat of this story is that Jesus is not far off. We should not be an arrogant people that throw our fists to heaven and say, why God? We should say, Jesus, come into my situation. Just get with me in the boat. Because of my own strength, I can't do anymore. And when we get to the other side, there's going to be an incomparable weight of glory waiting for each one of us. Already here on earth, but especially one day when we meet with Him. I love this verse that says, The wind ceased. And they were utterly astounded. 
And I felt as I prepared for this morning that this morning God wants to utterly astound some of us. Do you want to be utterly astounded by God? Do you have faith for that? And it's as simple as Jesus saying to you this morning, take heart. So wherever you are on your walk, I believe Jesus wants to show you the image of him stepping into the storm. Saying, I'm right there with you. Praying for you. I'm watching over you. I'm walking beside you. I'm speaking faith into your situation. You know what? I'm going to get in there with you. And the calm is going to come. And if you want to pray this morning, say, God, come and astound me in my storm. Why don't you get up with me and say, that's me, Pierre. I'm trusting God for this. Thank you, Jesus.